Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. Episode 231, I'm your host Jared White. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dominic Orlando. And about 20 minutes ago, I put down a Jimmy John's sub in maybe 5 minutes or less. And, you know, one of those good cookies they come with too. It was, a lot, it was delicious, you know, a lot of food, felt like great dinner. Probably not the healthiest, but, but so be it. But I'm like holding back one of those good Jimmy John's burps. And so if that happens, just know that it was against my internal control. <laughs> uh, funny enough, you say you had like a sub sandwich today. I had uh, Jersey Mike's for lunch. So a good oh, sub sandwich day. Too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even like I love Subway. Subway is the lowest quality of all of them, but I still love Subway. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's the junk food of the sub sandwich shops, but. Oh man, a good sub sandwich, oh, especially Jersey Mike's. I haven't, we don't really have a Jimmy John's around here or like a Firehouse Subs. I I like both of them. It's just not really the chain that's around here. So like Jersey Mike's is is the one to go to around here. But man, nothing like a good sub sandwich. Yeah. Uh, let's get into the video game news this week. We got uh, not a whole lot if I'm being honest. The main core of the show is going to be about the Xbox exclusive details that dropped over at Windows Central by Jez Corden. Uh, other than that, there's some Call of Duty stuff, but like we've talked about before with everything going on with Activision, I don't really care about talking too much about Call of Duty, uh, on top of the fact that a lot of it's not really interesting to either of us since we're, I mean, I was playing Warzone and stuff, but now that I'm not, it just doesn't really pique either of our interests and plenty of other stuff to talk about. Uh, but let's get into the rundown here. First up, teaser time. Dom, you're going to like this one. Uh, Disney revealed this calendar where uh, week by week they're revealing something related to the Star Wars franchise. And the one that's relevant to this podcast is on December 14th. Uh, they're basically teasing a Star Wars game announcement. Now, it's unclear what this is. Uh, the image is simply a video game console controller. Other than that, we have no clue. Some people are hoping it's Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order 2, some sort of tease. Other people are like, yo, pump the brakes. It might be something mobile. You know, there's another crowd who's like, what about that Bounty Hunters game that's coming to Switch? Is that out yet? Because people haven't really paid attention to wonder if that's out yet. Um, obviously, whenever there's a new Star Wars game, information coming out for it, it's always exciting, Dom. Uh, for you, what do you hope it is? And then when you're thinking with your brain, what do you think this is? Uh, more than anything, I want it to be that Ubisoft dealio, right? Where, oh, yeah, you know, sure. that's That's going to be... I forget the name of the specific studio that's doing it. Um, it's whoever did the did the division, right? Massive, um, massive. Yep. So, and the the details we have on it are sparse, but we know it's open world RPG something to that effect. Um, but we don't even know. We assume it's going to be a division style live service game, but that's just an assumption. So. You know, we don't know if, if you're a bounty hunter in that, a Jedi, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we have no idea, I guess. So that's, you know, from what we know, like, I want to know more about that. That's that's most exciting to me. Um, of course, Fallen Order 2 would be cool to hear about. Um, but realistically, you know, I don't want to, like, get my hopes too high up for, for one of those. Because realistically, this could be, you know, like a mobile card game or like a pinball game or you know who knows <laughs> um one thing people are talking like... about sorry to interrupt you one thing people aren't talking about could be a first glimpse at the kotor remake that's a, good like a very yeah, early it peek too. at it too yeah mm-hmm. um but yeah so I, i'm trying to keep my expectations low so uh 
because it could be so many things. They, you know, they, there's nothing they won't, you know, use this franchise for. So it could be something very small, insignificant, or at least, you know, to me, insignificant. <laughs> but hopefully, it's something wild and cool. That's it, we don't really know, you know, the scope of like what these announcements are typically like from them because this is kind of a new thing. So I don't know. Um, it's exciting at least a little bit. Well, and the the weird thing here too is it's like less than a week after the game awards, right? So we don't even know it could be a double dip sort of situation for Disney where maybe we see something at game awards and then they follow up with something for that game with this or something entirely different, right? We just don't know. Um my fear, the worst case scenario, Dom, is that we get the release date uh, of that Bounty Hunters game for Switch at the Game Awards, and then the, it, they do like a gameplay thing on the 14th, which would be, probably be the biggest bummer of it all. Because, uh, yeah, sure, that game might be fun, but it's not the thing that most people are anticipating or wanting. Uh, I guess I, I didn't realize the Book of Boba Fett's release got delayed. Uh, I didn't know that. I thought that... Maybe they said December, and then eventually later on they said December 29th. Is that no longer the date? Yeah, maybe it was my assumption that it was coming at the beginning of December. Yeah, it's December 29th is its release date. Uh, so it could be something related to The Mandalorian or Boba Fett too. Who knows? With uh, them handling the license differently now, not basically having it exclusive to EA, they could do a number of things. We just don't know. and we got to keep our ear to the ground and hope it's something we get excited for and not something disappointing. You never know with these uh, licensed deals. It could be the best or the worst of times. Um, next up, Dragon Age 4, Jeff Grubb of Games Beat, friend of the show, Jeff Grubb. I uh, never met him or talked to him, but I, I love Jeff Grubb. He's such a great personality, and he does a lot of, in terms of revealing information in the games industry. Uh, he revealed that the game is only coming to PS5 and Xbox Series consoles and won't see last-gen versions. Um, it, when I told you this before recording, Dom, you were kind of like, oh, yeah. And it's one of those announcements of, like, it's not exciting. It's kind of expected. But it's a realization that we're getting to this point now with the consoles being close to a year old that this is where we're going to start to see the separation from these studios of, like, yeah, we're not going to worry about last gen. We need to focus on targeting uh, performance and visuals for this set of standards, right? Yeah, because we've obviously seen, you know... Uh a large swath of of games do the you know cross gen releases where you get the the next gen mode or version and to varying degrees of differences there right and Sony has done it a little bit of next gen only not with their biggest games but you know we had Returnal and Ratchet and Clank but it has not been really much that's you know exclusively yeah, using the next gen hardware. So yeah, it's kind of like sort of expected. If if you were to ask me to bet on this game, you know, based on the fact that we know we do we even know if it's next year. It's just indefinite when this is going to come out. It's indefinite. My money would be on twenty twenty three at the earliest. I don't think there's any shot we see it uh, next year coming out because yeah. to this point we've only seen the Dreadwolf tease and then some other environment stuff. Um, I do think we probably see gameplay, like uh, like actually what the game looks like this year, but I, I doubt we get a release date. What this gets me excited for, though, Dom, is Dragon Age 4 is the first thing in the pipeline for Bioware, and we already know another Mass Effect is coming. Whether or not Dragon Age 4 hits, uh, I'm excited that they're going to be focusing on these next-gen systems 
and it'll give him more practice for even when Mass Effect comes out, where I was kind of wondering if this was going to be the cross-gen title and then Mass Effect would be their first real attempt at focusing on next-gen, and it's good to see that they're getting it getting to it early, where they're kind of cutting off uh, that last-gen. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out because, you know, even though the install base is growing every day, there's still chip shortages. People are still having issues getting both of these consoles, well, all three of them technically, all well, four, I guess if you count the, you know, the digital, the regular, and then the S and the X. Um, and how that's going to play out for people when this game does release, because we've been hearing about Xbox's solution to this and backwards compatibility being the cloud service, right? And I wonder if this will be one of the first major titles to utilize that, where people who do have the Xbox One will be able to play Dragon Age 4 through that and don't have to get the console. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. Um, because right now we don't know if Play PlayStation doesn't have a solution like that, right? No. 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 I don't think so. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out and if it's even relevant at that point because, like we just talked about, if this game comes out in 2023, that's even further along in the install base and hopefully we turn to some sort of you know normalcy uh, in terms of chip shortages and all that stuff and it might not even be irrelevant. It might just be this sneaky little uh, customer service thing that Xbox is known for, but PlayStation doesn't need a counter to it because it's just not that relevant. So we'll see. Uh, speaking of Xbox, next up, uh, new there's a new studio drop. Uh, Jeff Strain, founder of Undead Labs, uh, who are the developers of State of Decay and the upcoming State of Decay 3 for Xbox. Uh, he's founded a new studio called Possibility Space, which first off, dope name. Uh, we get kind of critical here with dev names, and I like the... The name Possibility Space. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. clever. It's cool. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be based in New Orleans, but the neat thing here is it's mostly uh, staffed remotely. So people are going to be able to work from wherever they want. And to this, uh, Jeff Strain uh, says and believes, quote, continue to develop, uh, we'll continue to develop great games in a distributed fashion. The pandemic accelerated a lot of trends that were already in place. The fact is that uh, it is completely possible to work wherever you want to work and live wherever you want to live. I do think that most developers like the freedom. That's great. Last week we talked about Idos Montreal committing to a four-day work week. Now we're seeing this new studio that's going to be mostly remote. And this isn't actually that new of a concept. Most people don't know that Moon Studios, the developers behind Ori, are three people who live all across the world. And if you're to you know you look you take one look at either of the Ori games, Dom. Remote work didn't affect the beauty and animation quality and gameplay dynamics of that game to any capacity. And we live in an age with the internet the way it is and communications and all of that, that having a remote company isn't a bad thing and it shouldn't be strange because it's totally possible, right? Yeah, it's because obviously I've been doing, I've been working remote too. And I've already, I had thought like it would be harder a lot of the work I do, I guess, is not is in the cloud already. Um, I don't have to send you know large files around or things like that. So I always assumed it would, for developers specifically and programmers and so on and artists that it would be difficult to having to like move files back and forth, especially larger ones. That might be a pain, that kind of stuff. Uh, I assume there's a lot of collaboration that you lose when you're you know separated. Um, being able to like look at a screen together that kind of stuff but at the end of the day it sounds like in a lot of in most cases that it's maybe there's an adjustment period but 
uh, even in some cases like mentioned with moon that well, they're already doing it and like it's already working well so i guess it's not the this is just <laughs> the way it can be and i'm hoping there's the way it stays for me too but yeah it's it's cool to hear that and i think uh was it also jeff grubb or someone a while back and you had brought this point up before that covid delays were not so much about a lack of productivity from being at home it was other things that it caused issues with so like working having to work remotely hasn't really been itself much of a detriment it's just other things that have been the bigger problem so this kind of lines up with that too i guess yeah it's more of like the logistics as opposed to the actual work effort that people put in um on top of like uh secrecy and security and all that stuff on top of it and you know there's like screen sharing software these days too where you can quickly mm -hmm. look at what somebody's working on uh, i wanted to talk about the staff real quick uh, there's two big names here obviously jeff strain is leading the studio um but there's jane uh jane ong uh who was the lead uh artist for firewatch uh she's now the visual director of the studio um tremendously talented artist she's incredible uh i wanted to point out people are talking about this might mean that in the valley of the gods is kind of dead I uh, remember Campo Santos got purchased by Valve. Uh, they were under that umbrella. People were wondering like, hey, so what does this mean for In the Valley of the Gods? And they're like, we're still going to be working on it. Don't worry. And then the studio started doing support work on the Half-Life VR game and a bunch of other stuff and kind of seemed like they lost their control to be able to do In the Valley of the Gods. And in my opinion, with uh, Jane being gone, I think it's kind of dead in the water at that point because she was the lead art director on that and i'm assuming she probably wanted to leave because she wasn't able to work on what she wanted to work on uh obviously this is all speculation but i'm glad to see she's here at the studio now where she can tackle something original that she wants to do um, but it is sad uh in the valley of the gods looked super cool if you guys don't remember it featured two female leads they were kind of investigating egyptian ruins um if you played firewatch you kind of get the vibe there beautiful game revealed a while ago and then we just haven't seen it since so Probably dead in the water, right, Dom? Yeah, it feels like it. Uh, especially after hearing, yeah, we're moving some folks onto, oh, what do we call it? Half-Life Alex. Yeah, the VR game. But, and how much, you know, how much weight was there behind that, behind Valley of the Gods, right? Like, you know, is it really, for Valve, is it going to be worth it to, to keep putting more into that i guess it depends how far it's along um but that was but, the fear right when they were when campo santo was purchased is that yeah valve isn't going to care about that because campo santo doesn't really make games for profit they make games for art and then they hope mm -hmm. that they sell right so that was kind of a bummer to kind of see that come to fruition sure the game still might be alive but when you add up all of the evidence of them not working on it primarily working on valve projects the lead artist leaving to something else it kind of all lines up to like yeah, we're probably not going to see in the Valley of the Gods for a long time, if ever, uh, which is a bummer. But something that's not a bummer, the other person joining, uh, amongst obviously there's plenty of other industry veterans on this team, uh, Austin Walker, formerly of Waypoint. Uh, if you consume oh. gaming industry news, uh, you are familiar with Austin Walker. He's been on Giant Bomb stuff. He's been on kind of funny stuff. Uh, very smart dude. Very good at talking about video games. Um, he's the IP director for the studio now. So that's really cool. Um, that core there of Jeff Strain, Jane uh, Ong, and uh, Austin Walker, super cool. Uh, another thing I liked is when you go to their website uh, and you look at the um, 
blurbs for each employee. Uh, they have their pronouns uh, next to their names, which is a subtle little touch. But, you know, the whole thing about having pronouns there, I have them in my Twitter bio, is that uh, it's to normalize it because it should be normal. And uh, even though I don't necessarily need them in the same way that somebody who is, you know, trans or non-binary uh, needs them, it's a part of an effort to normalize it. So I thought that was a really cool touch. Uh, something they didn't need to do, but I, I appreciated that. Um, so good luck to Possibility Space. Dope name. Dope employees. Excited to see what happens. Um, I'm just curious to see what their scope is for their games. If they're doing indie stuff, if they're doing more narrative-driven stuff. Uh, what I do know is that uh, with Austin Walker there, there's probably going to be some smart concepts. And with Jane, the game's probably going to look beautiful. Uh, and that's all you can ask for. Whatever else happens, we can't wait to see. Next up, this is the the meat of the episode. We got some Xbox exclusive details that were revealed via Jez Corden of Windows Central. Uh, I suggest if you're into Xbox, uh, follow Jez Corden on Twitter. He's a pretty good follow. He always talks about stuff happening in the ecosystem. Sometimes talks about some weird mayo-related food combinations. Uh, so beware of that <laughs> if you're not the biggest fan of mayo. Uh, but in terms of Xbox, he's a golden follow there. So, in an exclusive info dump, Jess Corden of Windows Central has revealed a number of details revolving around Obsidian Entertainment's upcoming new IP, Avowed. The upcoming Xbox exclusive won fans over with its initial tease reveal, including Domini, but new t details are building the hype even more with additional information regarding other Xbox platform exclusives. Now, before we get into all these details, I just want to know from you really quick, one or two sentences, Dom, when you initially saw Avowed revealed, what was it that captured your attention in terms of it being a game that you're interested in uh, when it releases? Uh, first party Xbox Skyrim. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is funny because they already have Skyrim as a first party, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, at the time they didn't, right? Yeah. But um, when we first saw Avowed, but that was obviously... They made it a point, even though it was a very short teaser, they made it a point to show, you know, this is first person and you're going to be able to seemingly do something different with each hand, you know, have a spell in one hand, a weapon in the other, or two spells, whatever it is, um, kind of a situation. And it looked really nice graphically. It looked beautiful. And so, and then obviously, you know, that Obsidian has done, yeah, obviously RPGs, that's just their wheelhouse, of course. So like that's that's exciting and th there was very little and then it came out came to come to find out later it's actually in the pillars of eternity universe which i don't know anything about except that it's a fantasy world and there's some other games <laughs> that are more uh uh action rpg but like from the more top-down perspective uh maybe not action maybe it's more like crpg but nonetheless uh that's like like that's that's a lot of good things that are going to get a lot of people excited. So um, I don't think I've read or heard about a lot of these details that you're about to get into. So I'm pretty excited. Awesome. Uh, and the cool thing too, with it being based on pillars of eternity is that obsidian doesn't need to come up with a whole new world and new races and lore and all of this stuff that can kind of just pluck from that, which I think will make the pipeline better. And pillars of eternity, though a quality game and pretty successful in its own right, is pretty niche in terms of who it appeals to. Whereas if you get a first or slash third person RPG like this, that's AAA exclusive Xbox title, it's going to open up the door to many more people to find out about how good Obsidian is as a, as a developer. Um, obviously, we already know the Outer Worlds 2 is in development. Uh, they're grinding away with Grounded, which is still an awesome game. Obsidian just does a lot of dope stuff. And uh, 
the one thing I wanted to mention real quick is, you know, now that they have uh, Bethesda under their wing, Dom, one thing I see on online is like, I don't know why they have, you know, Obsidian making uh, the Outer Worlds, which is like Fallout and Avowed, which is like Elder Scrolls when they already have the studio making those. Do people not forget how long ago Skyrim came out, right? 2013. I'm totally fine with them having a, an abundance of studios who are releasing these where between each Fallout, we get an Outer Worlds, right? Between each Elder Scrolls, we get an Avowed. Like, people forget how long these games take to develop, and it's not like they're releasing annually or back-to-back. -back. Like, we're, we're going to get these stretched down. It's totally fine, and honestly, it's a smart move by Xbox where they can hit that cadence of every two years, they do have a new AAA RPG for people to dive into that's fantasy or uh, sci-fi or apocalyptic, right? I, I just think that's a weird complaint. It doesn't make sense. Um, and I, I have to assume I'm gonna assume that there's gonna be enough to differentiate these things. Um, exactly. The closest, are, you know, are gonna be Fallout and Outer Worlds. But even there's to me even there's enough difference between those. And I think we kind of this reminds me of a couple of years ago with Sony, right? Like, well, they're gonna have Days Gone and The Last of Us Part Two come out within a year with of each other. And I mean. Yeah, why it was not? Like five months, right? Because Days Gone got delayed. Maybe something yeah. like that. Either way, yeah. And like, you know, Days Gone, I think, critically wasn't as good as they wanted it to be, but it's not like it... That wasn't because it released so too closely to The Last of Us and they're both zombie games. Like, that's fine. Like, it's okay to, to yeah. do that. I mean, there's limits, but I'm not worried about, you know, Obsidian and... Uh, oh, my. And Bethesda at all. Like, I, And Microsoft is going to balance their portfolio out in a way that makes sense. I totally trust them. Yeah. And I think that's the thing too, is people see Avowed and they see Elder Scrolls and they're like, they're both set in high fantasy worlds. They're going to be the same. It's like, man, you haven't played enough high fantasy games. <laughs> There's right. plenty yeah. to differentiate yourself. Uh, but let's get into these details. Uh, first up, uh, we're going to go through the details for Avowed. And then I'm going to talk about everything else he mentioned in the article in regards to Xbox exclusives. Because there were some, some tidbits there that maybe we had missed over the last couple of months or people listening had missed. So I wanted to go over those as well. But first up, the details on Avowed. It's described as the Outer Worlds meets Pillars of Eternity, which makes sense. Outer Worlds is their new RPG. Pillars of Eternity is the IP it's based on. Not much there. Uh, it's deep into pre-production, close to playable alpha state, which is exciting because that means that he even mentions in the article, Jez Corden does, that uh, we could possibly see a gameplay demo at next year's E3, which is super dope. Um, next up, based on a similar, albeit enhanced, engine from the Outer Worlds, so it's going to be the same engine, but it's going to be enhanced, um, which makes sense. Uh, and then the lastly of this bunch, uh, excuse me, first-person action RPG with multiple class play styles, including two-handed combat, which you touched on. Um, is there anything there you wanted to talk about in regards to that first bunch of details, Dom? No, that's I'm getting excited. I like yeah. like what I'm hearing. <laughs> A lot of stuff we expected, but it's neat uh, nonetheless. Uh, this is a quote from Jez Corden's article that I want to read. Quote, you could wield two daggers and be a stealthy rogue or dive into archery with a two-handed bow. You could use a combination of swords and magic or go full two-handed magic, which is required to wield some of the game's most potent spells and abilities. I think that's cool that if you want to get the most out of being a magic user, you can't just spam your right trigger for your magic out of one hand and still wield a single hand weapon like you can do in Elder Scrolls. You're going to have to commit to two handed magic attacks uh, to get the most out of it, which I think is really cool. It's that system of balancing 
hey, you're not going to be able to necessarily defend yourself if you want to fully commit to these powerful spells. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, that I mean, it adds. It sounds like it's going to add a, a, a you know a new layer of com- complexity. You know, um, slightly different strategy. Whether you're yeah one handing, two handing. Um, because you can dual wield in Elder Scrolls, right? You can dual magic, and you get some bonus to it. But to me, the way they're they're phrasing this is like it's actually going to be a noticeable difference. Whereas in you know Skyrim, which was the latest Elder Scrolls, it was like oh, I'm using fire in two hands. It's a bit stronger of a burn, but it's not like so it'll tangible be difference more synergistic right it's more like you know when you're wearing the matching gear set and you get a, a bonus or something right yeah uh really cool stuff though uh some more details here we'll cover these first two uh deep rpg exploration and narrative systems which we kind of expect from obsidian at this point uh this one was uh these are some smaller tidbits destructible environments uh he mentioned the ability to use your flame spell to burn down boxes or things blocking certain passageways uh weapon enchantments more loadout based than the elder scrolls uh was mentioned uh swimming uh and i already mentioned uh, he says it's probably going to be in a playable state by e3 of next year which is 2022 anything there that strikes your fancy at all so be in a playable state by next summer so I don't know what everyone's definition of playable state, you know, what that means as far as distance to release, but that's got me feeling like 2023, 24, maybe. Well, no. So remember what he means by that is a playable state to show at E3 because it's already close to playable alpha state, which I mentioned at the top. It's deep into pre-production. It's close to an alpha play, playable alpha state. So when he says playable state for E3 in the article, the context of it is that it'll be in a place where they'll feel comfortable to show it at Xbox's E3 show. Okay. So, so. yeah, um, maybe, you know, maybe next fall, next winter, if not 2023, that's, you know, we're, we're guessing here, but just trying to get a, get a vibe on well we at. know so we know next year is redfall uh Deathloop technically and starfield right those are like the mm-hmm. big three so far i'm i think i'm missing something and then the following year 2023 uh that's where fables rumored to be and if you can get fabled oh, and uh avowed in the same year maybe at the opposite ends that'd be pretty dope because once again we're talking about similarities yeah they're both rpgs but fable is such its own unique experience with its yeah. levity and comedy and all of that um and if this is going to be a little bit darker, as we saw in the teaser of a tone generally, then that'd be a nice uh, palette cleanser between the two. And so. from and from what you said for Avowed, for one, first person, deep RPG mechanics you mentioned, whereas, you know, I'm all about that, by the way. Like, that gets me excited as far as, yeah. uh, especially in comparison to Elder Scrolls, which in Skyrim, RPG mechanic, you know, especially as far as dialogue and branching things, and, you know, not quite as deep as i would have liked as we saw with like outer worlds fallout 3 new vegas etc um, but anyway going back uh from avowed deep rpg elements and then into fable third person not super deep rpg elements but you know kind of more actiony combat but also well, you know that that humorous weird style that they have going on for fable very very different um like you alluded to earlier, yeah, high fantasy, I guess, for in both cases, but super different experiences for sure. 
Yeah, but we can't forget. Fable does have deep RPG mechanics in terms of decision making because that's the whole point of the game is you kind of make decisions that lean you towards being an evil or a good person. And I'm assuming Playground will have a more nuanced take than the very binary system we saw sure. in the original trilogy. Um, but yeah, totally different experiences, and it'd be dope if we get both of those in the same year. Like, if we can get like a you know 12 to 15 month stretch down where we get Starfield, Fable, and Avowed. Good lord, we're going to be eating as RPG buffet. fans. Yeah. yeah, we are. And that's Eating. and that's not even counting the RPGs we'll see from Sony as well. And Nintendo, like, oh man, it's gonna be so good. Throw in you know Breath of the Wild two in there and uh, yeah, Ragnarok Horizon. and all. And yeah. yeah, so good. Um, the last two I have here, uh, brighter, more lively color palette than the Outer Worlds, which I think was one of the bigger complaints for the Outer Worlds is it fell in that brownish, orangish color palette that people judge a lot of the mid 2010s early 2010s video games for um which i kind of disagree with i thought outer worlds was pretty colorful in its own right but i, I get yeah. it that's what i yeah. was thinking when you were talking about that yeah it's like neon bright colors it feels like borderlands in many aspects in terms of its color palette but what do i know uh this is interesting uh so he mentions it's unclear if it's open world like the elder scrolls or hub based like the outer worlds um because obviously the Outer Worlds, the way that worked is you'd go to a planet and there'd be a big playable space, but it wasn't necessarily open world. He did go on to mention, though, at the end of the article that due to job listings, his assumption is that it's going to be open world because they're hiring positions that are asking for open world experience. But then again, it could be they want to have the open world feel in those hub spaces, right? You never know. Um, I mean, and the last are the job listings specifically for this game, too? Because we're talking about Obsidian, who has, you know... It was seems like fifty thousand games in development at a time, so it could be something else, right? I think in the job listings they mention high fantasy RPG, so it's assumed okay. it's avowed because yeah. yeah. Um, once again, it is an assumption though. And the last thing I wanted to mention that I forgot to mention up top is all of this stuff isn't him hearing it from a source. He has assets that he was able to watch of the game. Uh, he even mentioned he's probably the only person outside of Obsidian or Xbox to see the game. Uh, in like a playable state so uh he pretty interesting the stuff there yeah he well he has a source but he, they gave him the assets so yeah he is a source in a way uh, and everything else he mentioned in the article one he believes we'll likely see Hellblade 2 at the 2021 game awards which is exciting that's another game that could be coming next year uh really i need to get to the first one it's such a bad uh glaring thing for my gamer resume i need to get to playing that uh, with my quality headphones. Uh, two, Contraband, which was the Avalanche game that was revealed last year. Do you remember oh, this, yeah. Tom? Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, he described it as a co-op smuggler's paradise. We kind of already knew the smuggler part. Uh, I don't know if it was ever clarified that it was co-op. Uh, maybe I missed that. Uh, but, yeah, it seems like maybe it's going to be a type of thing where you get online and, you know, work to do these jobs with friends uh, or you know, uh, friends for the job type people where you're, you're only kind once the once the job's done, no longer kind. Uh, next up, Project Dragon is going to be an online RPG from IO Interactive. We knew IO Interactive was making this game. We knew they were attached to Project Dragon. I couldn't remember it being known that it was an online RPG. I don't know if you remember that, Dom, uh, that little tidbit. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, Project Cobalt is going to be from NXL Entertainment. Uh, this was known about, uh, they're the developers of Wasteland 3. This is kind of their foray into 
Obsidian's kind of weird in their own right because they did fall at New Vegas, Dom, right, and the Outer Worlds. So they weren't just committed to the Pillars of Eternity style games. Whereas with NXL, they're kind of only ever done those type of games. This is going to be their Fallout New Vegas, if that makes sense, right? Their jump to the first-person RPG genre. And the exciting thing here is it's described as having a steampunk aesthetic, which, in my opinion, is one of my favorite uh, and dopest aesthetics out there in terms of a steampunk world. And I don't think we've ever gotten that as the core theme in a open world RPG. I think the closest we got was Bioshock Infinite. Is there anything I'm missing that kind of committed to the steampunk? I mean, Bloodborne has some steampunk elements to it, but no one would ever describe Bloodborne as steampunk. There was um, an RPG. Oh, man, it was like a PS Plus game a few months ago. I'll have to look it up. But it was... It was yeah, the fact that colonial you... steampunkish something. Oh, you're thinking it. of uh, Greedfall, I think. That sounds right. I'm gonna... Yeah, but no, they're they're talking about this it. is like this is like sci-fi steampunk, Tom. So like future okay. si- steampunk, not uh, colonial steampunk, okay. which has me excited because that could be that could stand on its own right too because that doesn't sound anything like Outer Worlds or Fallout or Elder Scrolls or Avowed. Like that's very unique and. Uh, you know, even though Wasteland 3 is that typical kind of like turn-based CRPG style game, they review it very well. People love the world and stuff, and I'm excited to see them take this foray into, you know, the first-person FPS RPG style game. Uh, oh, one thing I wanted to mention about uh, Avowed that I didn't on the top in the details, uh, there's probably going to be guns in the game too, like muskets and stuff. Which would oh. set it apart from Skyrim as well, if there's like ranged stuff outside of bows, which would be interesting. Because um, I don't know if there's guns in Pillars of Eternity. Well, like I said, neither of us are familiar with that franchise. Yeah. Um, the cool thing too is I'm so familiar with the races of Skyrim, well, Elder Scrolls in general. I'm interested to see what the the races are for Pillars of Eternity. Now that I'm thinking about it, I might go Google that and see what they are because. Uh, that's always a fun option too in the character creator. And the last one, Project Indus, is a 4X strategy game. I don't know if I'll necessarily be interested in that, but it is a project in the work for Xbox. Uh, did you end up finding out if Greedfall was the game you were thinking about? It was. Well, I think it was, but the, the other one I'm thinking of, let me also Google it, it's called Remnant from the Ashes. What was the deal with this game? So Remnant from the Ashes wasn't steampunk. It, there was worlds where it was steampunk. So you load in, it's a procedural, like, roguelike, and there's different worlds. There's, like, one that's, like, a horror uh, Lovecraftian-style world. There is, like, a, a steampunk level. Like, it's a bunch of different levels. So you were kind of right, but it's not. It's, like, full uh, commitment yeah, to the steampunk genre. So it was a, uh, you know, a Souls-style game, but with more guns so i think that's why like my my brain just kind of filled in the rest <laughs> you know fun game uh if it ever comes to game pass or if it is on game pass try it out if you're listening it's a it's a fun time uh, a little difficult uh but pretty fun um yeah that's everything we know about avowed and all these upcoming stuff for xbox uh you know we talk about this all the time dom where like you know all these acquisitions are great and stuff but when is it actually going to be coming to fruition and 2022 will be the time because we have two games from acquisitions starfield and redfall both from bethesda um we would have had Deathloop this year technically but obviously that's a playstation exclusive for the time being 
We got Forza Horizon 5 coming up soon, which is previewing really well. Shocker, I know. Um, and then we got Halo. So good times for Xbox. Uh, in terms of what we've been playing, I hopped into this little game called Forager. Have you ever heard of this game, Dom? No. So it's an indie game where you play as this little uh, like white bobblehead character looking guy. And the whole point of the game is you start on an island and it's a it's Minecraft in the sense that it's a foraging crafting building game, right? So hence the name Forager. You forage all these materials, you build objects that help you get better stuff. You obtain gold to buy more land. So you start on one island. You can buy one of the four plots, north, south, east, and west of you for different prices. And each one could be a random building or a biome. So it could be a desert biome that has certain types of objects in it. It could be uh, a museum where you can collect items that you gather through the foraging. You know, you can upgrade your pickaxe so it does more. There's a whole RPG system in it where you can buy upgrades every time you level up. It's a very addicting game loop uh, and something that, man, I, I sometimes have this itch, Dom, where if this type of game, this crafting building type of game hits me just right, I can get lost in it. And yesterday, I hopped into this game at about 6 p.m. and it was 10 p.m. in a blink of an eye. <laughs> like, I just <laughs> lost myself to this game. Uh, and it's, you know, I know there's... There's opinions of like, I don't really want to play games where I feel like I'm doing work. I'd rather just do chores in real life. Like I totally get that. But for me, these style of games totally vibe with me where all of the stuff and the mechanics and the systems are in place to where you can manipulate it to do the work for you. So for instance, I can sit there and forage and grow items on a farm and then sell those to obtain gold, right, Dom? But there's a system in the game where you, if you gather enough materials, you can build a bank that auto-generates gold over time. And I specced in my RPG skill tree to a skill where for every bank next to another bank, it it uh, doubles the production rate of the gold. So I have like three banks built that are all next to each other that are just generating a shit ton of gold. And uh, I'm not having to worry about selling, like playing the market, right? Like talking to uh, the market and figuring out what's best to sell and what's not best to sell. I just have that running and I get gold. Um, I found out that uh, items can only spawn on bare ground. So I can make floor tiles to put on certain plate in certain places to make it so nothing ever spawns there. So I can kind of make a safe zone where I can worry about making items and stuff. Um, and it's, you know, the islands are completely customizable because you can make, uh, landfill so you can actually put down plots of dirt in the holes of water and it's totally customizable so I'm kind of building it out slowly over time and it, it's a blast like the systems in it are great there's plenty of buildings to um, kind of craft and discover there's items that make the experience more streamlined like I said you can automate stuff you can set the furnaces that cook stuff to infinite so if you have a system in place where it automatically gathers like catching fish and you put fish in the furnace and you set it to infinite, it'll infinitely just cook fish for you to have as sustenance to consume to refill your bar without having to worry about going and cooking the fish. It's really cool. And like I said, it's one of those games where it just scratches an itch for me where I love the automation and the problem solving and all of that stuff. Uh, it's a video game as video game. You know, I'm not there for the narrative. I'm not there for any of these gripping uh, mechanics. It's just a good time and it's yeah, you know, a great podcast game too. 
uh, where I can just like zone out and and play it and have a good time. I don't know if you looked up gameplay for it. Yeah, um, I'm watching yeah. it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, and it's, it's not something I would recommend to people because it's totally you have to be a in the mood and you have to be the type of person who likes those type of experiences. But boy, howdy, it clicked with me and it's yeah, it's such a great time. And it's on Game Pass, so, so I didn't even have to buy it. You know, it looks like there were some like some action going on too, like some dungeons. It's kind of almost. Uh... Zelda like in in those sections. I haven't gone to that yet, so that's cool, good to hear. I didn't know that that was a part of the game because there's certain like buildings and and uh, interactions you can have uh, with certain enemies. So I, that doesn't surprise me that there's areas you can get to that are dungeon esque. It's a good this time. Is interesting. I, I see what you're saying, and I, yeah, I like the idea of having. It's almost like you have investments, like letting your money work for you, kind of a thing. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And some of the stuff you can spec into, like there's stuff where you can uh, buy a thing that's like, oh, handcrafted item, sell for twice the gold. If you're into like making stuff yourself, there's, uh, uh, you can go into, I haven't even touched any of the alchemy stuff. So you can make like potions that spawn stuff. Like, so if you're like, oh man, I don't want to see it here and wait for, uh, you know, trees to randomly grow, you can, you know, either plant them or you can get a spell that produces resources, um, there's like the cool thing with it is whenever you buy a new plot of land, you literally don't know what it's going to be. It doesn't give you any hint. All you know is the price of the land. So I've bought a piece of land and got the museum where if you go in there, you deposit certain items in a certain category. And then once you finish that, they reward you with a chest with a, a random upgrade. Right. I got another one. That's this giant uh, tree that when you go in, you can customize the look of your character on the outside. There's this guy who asks for fetch quests. Like, Bring me X amount of this, right? And you don't have to do it. You can if you want to. There's all these systems in place to garner upgrades and new items, but you don't have to interact with them if it's not the type of thing you want to get out of the game, which I totally enjoy. So, hmm. totally awesome. Hey. Have And, man, that, with Game Pass, Dom, I saw this game. I was like, oh, that game looks super cool. The moment it was announced for Game Pass, I was like, oh, I don't even have to buy it. Easy download, automatic download. And, uh... Now that I'm coming to the end of Psychonauts 2, I was like, ah, I want to try something else before I get to the culmination of that. Yeah, I lost four hours to it like nothing yesterday. <laughs> Such a good time. Uh, it's always awesome when you get in that groove in gaming, whether it's this or like a narrative-driven game where you're so invested in it that time just flies by. It is kind of scary to think about how we kind of have those primate uh, peanut-sized brains that sometimes where, you know, we just get lost in the task of something, but... It's so fulfilling, and it kind of scratches that itch I have in my head sometimes. Other than that, like I said, I haven't touched Psychonauts 2 yet. Hoping to finish that up this week. And uh, looking forward to Guardians of the Galaxy. That's the next game I'm hopping into. Barring it getting, like, abysmal reviews, like, terrible reviews, I'm expecting it to be a swimming in sevens, uh, and I'm excited to hop in at that. And then we'll see what comes up after that. Um, but that's it for me in terms of gaming. What about you? Yeah, that's soon, right? Uh, Guardians, is that in a week? 26th, so a couple of weeks. Well, less than a couple okay. of weeks, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, th I bet that'll be at least good. Um, and there's a chance it's, like, really good, but yeah, we'll see. Um, for me, it's really only been... Actually, I should start with... I've been... I, I started playing Destiny 2, which is... Wow. Never expected not, that. <laughs> yeah. Um... And it, 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 it was weird timing, too, because I, I was like, oh, yeah, I had, this was a PS Plus game sometime back. So I just, I felt like I wanted to play a shooter, but not something competitive, you know, or not something PvP. And um, 
I had heard read something about like the PS5 and, and Series X version upgrade versions of this game were like really really good. Like, oh, I should give this a try at least, you know, in a nice pretty looking world and shoot some aliens kind of a thing. And you know, booted up and uh, it was it was like uh, kind of a pain in the ass to get the PS5 version instead of the PS4 version for one. So Sony hasn't totally fixed that problem at least for Destiny 2. I I don't even. I don't even care to talk about it and try to understand <laughs> or like explain what because like yeah there's certainly a potential that i was just not behaving the way i should have in the store or whatever and just didn't click the right things someone might tell me that but whatever it's not make it but easy. dom why did they easy. call it smart delivery when it's as simple as playstations it all just works yeah and because i had other experiences where it was easier but this one for some reason i, I, I don't know I, I don't get it but anyway i finally get in there and it's really cool. I really like Destiny 2. Um, it, it, but the problem, gameplay-wise, it's really excellent. The problem was I don't... It's really overwhelming because this game is just too far along for newcomers. And it's just extremely unwelcoming. It explains a lot to you, and yet you still don't know what to do. Like, <laughs> I don't really know how to start a campaign mission or how to just play the, through the story and lord knows i don't know what's going on in the story anyway so i don't know if i'm doing the right missions or what's going on and well that's a problem with so it being many... an mmo right is you're hopping in yeah. and you feel like you're in the middle of something you're like wait what's going on and everyone's moving at light speed and they don't have time to stop and show you around you know they're worrying about catching up to the weekly goals and all that stuff yeah it, it's just too much and you know, and then a couple of weeks later, because I this was like I don't know, maybe more than a month ago, I started playing this. Um, but anyway, like a week ago, then I I read some stories about how they're actually pulling older campaigns out, like permanently, like so no one can access the vault. Them, even people who bought yeah. them. And I know I think that's a larger discussion. And I don't I know nearly enough about like whether that makes sense or whatever. But just so especially for me trying to. For not just now trying to get into it, I'm like, okay, well, what the heck, guys? I don't, you know, what I mean, I was already overwhelmed, and then there's this weird news that they're just removing campaigns that are, and I don't know, you know, it, you're not the you're not the it, audience they care about anymore. They're so far along that they're worrying about the people who are three years deep, who are following all that stuff, who pulling that older content isn't as big of a deal because yeah, why would I play that content right now? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's it's tough, and it, it's part of the problem with it being closer to an MMO. And it's the pain of it, like you said. The, the mechanics and the feel of that game is so good. Industry-leading yeah, in a lot of ways. And it's just, like, it's wrapped up in this total experience that isn't enjoyable for new players. And from what I read, not super enjoyable for people who have been committed to it the entire time. In many ways... Uh, I, I would, Destiny 2 is a much better game than Marvel's Avengers, but what I will say, it does suffer from the same problem because, like I've told you, playing Avengers is fun. Like, playing as the characters and doing their supers and upgrading them and comboing and all that stuff is a great time. But I can't sell people like you on it when a lot of the environments are repetitive, a lot of the mission structure is repetitive. It's, you know, playing alone doesn't feel as good as playing with people, but you don't want to play with, like... All of that stuff, you know, the campaign's worth it, but is it $60 worth it? Try to get it for 10 bucks or on sale so you could just play through the campaign. Um, it suffers from that where the core gameplay is fun, but it just, everything wrapped around that is a bummer. And once again, I'm not saying Marvel's Avengers gameplay is close to what 
Destiny 2s is for first-person shooters, but it's a similar case in which the the core of the game is hampered by everything around it. So, and then and because it was free too, so I didn't even you know I mean they have that part right <laughs> as far as it's on Game Pass they, too, so yeah, anybody can hop in. Yeah, and the other thing I, I I realized too I learned is that not only is Destiny two in Game Pass, but it seems like at least the majority of the expansions are too. So that's yeah. cool. Um, that's helpful because when I'm in there, um. I'm like, oh, well, this this mission looks cool. This what's this planet? It just introduced me to, and then it's like, no, you need to buy the, you know, Beyond <laughs> Light or whatever. Give us forty yeah. bucks. I'm like, okay, well, I, I wish I would have known that. That's fine. I get it. You know what I mean? I let me like, my intention was like, I want to play through the main campaign, you know, have some fun, and then if I want to keep playing, I'll buy one of the expansions and just keep playing. It seems simple enough. It wasn't simple enough. <laughs> um. But yeah, but the, I don't know. I might keep trying. But <laughs> And that's what has me kind of curious about that type of game releasing on Xbox Game Pass, right? Because with Xbox owning the game, you'll 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 be able to get into it for free when it initially releases. And then whenever the expansions drop, they'll be free to you as well. So like somebody like you who would come in would be able to play the game and not worry about getting those pop-up screens because you're a Game Pass subscriber, so they're already coming out for you. Or say you you know, take a pause in the game. You're like, I'm not really interested in this expansion, but two expansions later, you are interested. You pop in, you don't have to worry about buying them piecemeal or waiting for a bundle. They're just all there too. And Xbox has a unique position with that because we haven't seen a games of service game operate like that because it's such a unique case point for Xbox. So I wonder how that would work. And, you know, I know people are like, oh, I just want my, you know, open world RPGs or this, this, and this to be, you know, either free to play or, let me buy it once. I don't want a games of service, but I'm interested to see how that plays out because of a lot of these pitfalls that games like the division or destiny, uh, have to them. We'll see. Yeah. Anything else? It, it feels like oh, such sorry. a double edged sword thing where people who are in a game like that from the beginning have to endure the early woes, right? Where like things don't always work correctly. They're just still trying to figure out the right way to do things. Um, and all I mean, that fallout 76 right <laughs> exactly but yet like those are the folks that you know because they were there early like it all makes so much more sense to them nowadays whereas like yeah but then it gets harder as more time goes on and as they build more out in the game it gets harder for new people to come in and, and it, you know i don't know what if there's great solutions to all this maybe destiny is like the best example of an, a game that's um, friendly to newcomers but that's not what i found but i might keep trying um we'll see but it just looks so nice and like it's it feels so good to run around and shoot stuff and so i was happy enough i guess <laughs> yeah um but yeah, anyway that was such a surprise after to hear. that did not expect that <laughs> right after that i was like okay i need to go back to my safe comfortable bubble can you still hear me yeah yeah we're good okay i need to go back to my safe comfortable bubble of an isolated single player <laughs> game where there's no expansions nothing else is coming at me with daily challenges and this and that and the other thing and so thus far cry 6 welcome to the conversation um i don't the first thing i want to say is uh it's very much i think gonna be and you'll notice it more than me but it's gonna be wow they really want to make sure you know this is cuba and that everyone here is extremely um latin american right like every every trope you could think of i don't necessarily think that you know each of them each each trope or like thing is going to be like 
you know, super overdone or over the top or offensive. It's just all a lot, you know? Yeah. Um, it's not subtle in that regard. Um, it rarely is, if we're being honest, in any form of entertainment. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't, I mean, it falls into that same trap, but it doesn't just fall into that trap. It like dives in head first. Like this is what we're doing. Um, and so I, I'm not a great person to comment on all that, but it's what you think. Um, you know, but at the same time, it is, I didn't, I don't think anyone expected much better from them on this. Uh, <laughs> not that that makes it okay, but yeah. Um, what I'll say also is it's a, it, I can't say too much more about it because it's exactly what you think, you know, it, it's gameplay wise, exactly the same as, you know, the past bunch of far cries and i'm really about that i'm really really about that it's just this world looks a bit different we've got some new characters you know who are even though they're sometimes caricatures and that you know is going to be offensive they're it, it's interesting it, you know um did Teresa live up to the hype sorry did Teresa live up to the hype Teresa is the little the little uh, injured dog that you have the little wiener dog absolutely absolutely awesome. he does um and the way that you get him to be your companion is awesome um it's nothing too wild but i'll just uh i won't spoil it but even more than trezo the alligator my boy guapo oh man oh, i forgot you had like a pet alligator in it too <laughs> oh his intro is incredible like i like when that when the whole thing played out this is when you meet him and he helps you out for the first time my mouth my, my mouth was wide open i'm like oh, oh my god <laughs> this is fantastic this is hilarious i can't believe it um again i won't say anything specific because it's just too wonderful at least go and watch like a youtube video of that that first mission with guapo it's 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 fucking funny and cool um but yeah other than that it's uh it's it's what you think and and i'm having a lot of fun you know capturing bases getting rid of uh you know the anti-air missiles that are around and building up an arsenal all that kind of stuff uh it's all there in spades and the world is enormous um lost my headphones audio so i'm gonna get these out of here well dom's fixing his audio situation uh i wanted to let you guys know um that hopefully next week friend of the show chris noons has also been playing far cry 6 um like I said last week, I'm going to try to get to it when I can. I want to play it by Christmas because uh, I have been feeling the need to play some video game-ass video games. Um, but Chris has also been playing it, and I would love to have him on next week uh, when both he and Dom have played a little bit more of the game um, to get their overall impressions of it and maybe talk to each other about what they liked, what they disliked. Um because it is Far Cry, and you know people like to make fun of it and say that oh, it's just the same game every time. Uh, but it does have a lot of uh, times to be had in terms of how fun it can be. So hopefully uh, next week I can get Chris Noon's friend of the show in here, and him and Dom can talk about uh, their experiences with Far Cry Six because he's currently playing it too. So that'd be a fun time because I'm not playing it anytime soon. I hope to play it, but that'd be a neat conversation to have. Now that Dom's back and his audio is fixed, uh, what were you saying, Dom? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, it's just a heck of a lot of fun. It's 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 I, I've seen a lot of people call it you know junk food, processed junk food. You know exactly what it is. It's not really great for you, but you love it. You just it's, it's reliable. 
it's there for you and it gets the job done. <laughs> um, the, the second part of the specifics on that metaphor, I'm going to take credit for, but anyway, um, yeah, I'm having a ton of fun and it looks, it looks really nice graphically. Um, it runs like performance wise runs well, but there's some good bugs in here of, you know, NPCs walking into a wall facing the opposite direction while they're talking to you that kind of goofy stuff that uh, the weird thing is there's a there's a noticeable difference between its performance on ps5 and xbox series uh, x which is interesting um is it i saw a couple better? of things where it was better on the series x yeah um okay. which is obviously the xbox series x is a, a little bit more powerful than the ps5 but uh, as we've talked about before i it's i want to keep track of this stuff because i want to see if it, it's a uh, you know, oh, this game's better on PlayStation 5, this game's better on Xbox Series X, or do we start to see a trend and kind of notice where uh, developers are kind of putting their focus? So I kind of want to keep track of that just because it's so interesting how that stuff plays out. I would assume it's going to go back and forth, but you never know. Right. Yeah, probably a thing of uh, maybe certain developers maybe will have trends that <laughs> they seem to prefer one and their games do well, better on one than the other. But. Xbox has the marketing for Far Cry 2, which totally makes sense. Not that that correlates directly, but you kind of see the through line there, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, it's, it's been a fun time and there's just so much going on. There's a, like, like I said, the world is enormous. Um, I don't remember f- the world of five as far as size, but I don't think it was as big as this. I Nonetheless, um, it's it does some cool stuff. The characters are pretty cool. Um, even even the protagonist is is pretty good. I, I don't know, with, the, with the female Danny, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's a lot of fun. Can't say anything too uh, new and like you know exciting about it because it's it's what you think and uh, you 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 should know if you're gonna like it or not going in. I don't know if you heard uh, when you were fixing your audio situation, but I hope to try to get maybe Chris on next week because I'd love mm-hmm. to see you two talk about it uh, and share your experiences because he's currently playing through it too um, and see how you line up, especially with you getting another week under your belt and uh, see if you feel the same about it where you're enjoying the junk food of it or uh, you start to get some stomach pains next week, you know, it starts catching up with you, <laughs> those poor health decisions. Um, and I hope to get to it by the end of the year. Like I said, it, it seems like a fun time and, you know, everything doesn't need to be art. You know, sometimes you just need a video game as video game. That's perfectly fine. Hell, I talked about that with Forger. <laughs> just, yeah, you know, you eating away at my at my time. Um, I think that's it for this week. Uh, like I said, next week maybe we'll have a Far Cry 6 discussion. Hopefully I'll have Psychonauts 2 finished because I want to uh, get that all wrapped up before Guardians comes out and talk about that. Uh, absolutely loving my time with that game. And maybe my obsession with Forger will be done and we'll get more impressions from Dom on Far Cry 6. Um, other than that, you can follow us on Twitter at CTRLINT. It's Controlled Interest Abbreviated. Uh, if you prefer Instagram, we're on there as well at Controlled Interest. Uh, if you're you know, on YouTube, search Controlled Interest will pop up. Subscribe, hit the bell notification so you know when we upload the podcast. Hit the uh, like button if you enjoy the video. Hit the dislike button if you dis- in, you know didn't enjoy this week's podcast. Uh, and uh, leave us a comment. Let us know what you think about uh, if you're playing Far Cry 6. Let us know how you're enjoying it. Uh, and if not, let us know if you're excited for Avowed and what has you the most excited for that upcoming RPG from Xbox. 
Uh, other than that, we're also on Spotify. That's where I listen to podcasts. That's my preferred place. Search Controlled Interest Gamecast will pop right up there as well. iTunes, all that good stuff. Individually on Twitter, you can find me at Jared Weich. That's J-E-R-R-A-D-W-Y-C-H-E. You can follow Dom at OB Dom Kenobi. The O in OB is a zero and not the letter O. Uh, and the rest of it is as it sounds, Dom Kenobi. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys next week uh, with episode 232. See you guys then. Bye.